Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from not Austin, Texas, but from Whitefish, Montana. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 106. Like I said, I am here on my 19th anniversary in Whitefish, Montana, so apologize if the sound is any different, but having a great time celebrating my anniversary, but still wanted to get a podcast out uh, this week. Of course, week three is in the books, and only one player we thought tested positive for COVID so far, although now we get the news today that several more players have from different teams, and so things are pressing on pretty smoothly, causing me to think that the NFL is not going to have any hiccups, but we will see what happens. Um, I'm pretty confident that the NFL is going to continue to play no matter what, because because money, that's why. <laughs> so anyway, for myself personally, had a pretty poor week. Um, my dynasty teams finished three and five this week. Most of my losses, though, at least, were my 2-0 teams, so I'm still looking pretty good with two 3-0 teams, four 2-1 teams, and one, and two 1-2 teams. So, But here's the story. We all know, at least I think, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football. And so all weekend, I was able to cheer on my teams and had a blast doing so. And so after uh, week three, here are some of my thoughts, general thoughts. Again, kind of the flow of what we'll do through, go through, some general thoughts. I just have four this week. We'll talk about some of the injury news and then uh, talk about waivers to possibly pick up. And uh, spoiler alert, they're pretty bad this week in, in true deep dynasty leagues. And then I'll talk about a ton of trades. We had a ton of trades in my leagues this week, uh, actual trades that, that teams made um, and give you their perspective from that team and their roster construction as to why they did what they did. So let's start, though, with our observations. First is that rookie wide receivers break out. First round uh, dynasty Rookie draft picks uh, that we had in this last rookie draft finally break out this Sunday. Of course, C.D. Lamb had already, you know, broke out last week. You could argue that Jerry Judy has been consistent, though he's yet to have like a really stellar game. And of course, Jalen Rager's injuries puts him behind the game, um, you know, behind a, a or puts his breakout game on hold. We'll say. But this week, uh, T. Higgins and Justin Jefferson showed why they were first-round dynasty rookie uh, picks for us. Higgins scored two touchdowns on five receptions, and was uh, Jefferson was had 175 yards receiving and scored one touchdown. But really what's more important than, is the role that each of them is starting to play in their offense. Get this, Higgins played the most snaps of any receiver on Sunday. So he had more snaps than Green and Boyd and everybody else in Cincinnati. And he had the second most highest targets, only behind Tyler Boyd. And Jefferson was second in snaps, only behind Thielen. But he had more than twice as many targets, nine compared to four. So as these rookies get more significant roles on their team, they are going to move way up in our start. They're going to move their way up, not just on their NFL teams. They're actually going to move themselves into the starting lineup of our dynasty teams. <laughs> I know for me, I was actually playing uh, against a team that's rebuilding who started Higgins and Jefferson against me this week. I thought, oh, I got this game pretty wrapped up. Those guys can't do too much yet. And sure enough, they went off. But thankfully, I had Alvin Kamara that made things just fine for me and that still won the game. Second observation, some young quarterbacks need to get benched. And one already has. I think that Sam Darnold and Dwayne Haskins each threw three interceptions on Sunday. And Darnold's flashes of great play um, previous, you know, in previous years and Haskins' strong end of the season last year, they're both becoming harder to remember after how they've started this season. 
their offenses are certainly limited in talent, so you got you got to kind of give that to them. But but franchise quarterbacks are supposed to rise above the skill of their teams. They're supposed to carry their offense to points and to wins. And Darnold and Haskins, I don't think that they're going to have any weeks left to prove that they are not replaceable by their backups, at least in Washington, or certainly by a 2021 first-round pick for both of them. On the first-round draft pick side, uh, Mitchell Trubisky was replaced on Sunday. And his replacement, Nick Foles, though he looked pretty bad if he actually watched the game, he did lead the, the team to a fourth-quarter comeback and should take the job, most likely. If Foles wins again in Washington, the Jets may actually take notice and follow suit, benching their first-round draft picks, which would be a pretty drastic move. Probably less likely for the Jets just because I don't know if they'd go to Joe Flacco, but I think that Washington has some players intriguing enough to look at, um, which we will talk about in a bit. Third observation is that some teams' passing games can't support their wide receivers and tight ends, so it's pretty frustrating if you own these wide receivers and tight ends on these teams. First is Coach uh, Kevin Stefanski. He's doing what everyone expected him to do since coming to Cleveland from Minnesota. Uh, He's made the Browns a run-heavy team. And he has the horses to get away with it, too. Nick Chubb is one of the best pure runners in the NFL, and Kareem Hunt is one of the best, or I think he is the best backup in the NFL. And this one-two punch, it knocks out teams. Um, But it's killing the fantasy dynasty of the passing game. Baker Mayfield, Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper just aren't startable right now. Mayfield only threw for 156 yards on Sunday, and that's not enough to, not enough to support anyone. Same thing's true in Indianapolis, I believe. Phillip Rivers is, has his uh, pass catchers in the same position. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox did have a 100-yard game last week, but besides that, there really haven't been enough passes thrown to bolster any fantasy pass catcher in Indianapolis. Rivers only attempted 19 passes on Sunday. You know, A big part of that was because their defense played so well and they had two defensive touchdowns, but still only 19 passes. The week before, when it was a little tighter game, he only had 25 passes. So even if you give him a generous 70% completion rate, uh, that's 14 to 18 completed passes per game at that rate. And that's just not enough to make pass catchers happy and <laughs> make them fantasy relevant this year. I really think it's time to take T.Y. Hilton out of starting lineups. I know I'm going to do that this week. I'm losing faith in Doyle, who I thought would be a breakout candidate. And then with his entry when Cox came in, um, I'm losing faith in that tight end jump from him. Um, and the hope of the great rookie season for Michael Pittman is uh, put on hold a little bit too. I don't think that these passing games can support their pass catchers. Fourth and last overall observation from this week is that talented year two players fight for a starting role after poor rookie seasons. Of course, I'm speaking about Daryl Henderson and Andy Isabella. They both took advantage of injuries, capitalizing on their starting roles this last week. So Isabella started, well, you'll see from the snap count, he didn't necessarily start. We'll talk about this later when I talk about Keyshawn uh, Johnson. Let's just say that he did well in place of uh, Christian Kirk. When Christian Kirk was out, it gave uh, Isabella a chance to play. He only caught four passes, but two of them for touchdowns. I do believe it's a very crowded wide receiver group in Arizona. And DeAndre Hopkins is definitely going to be demanding most of the targets as he already has in the first three games. But Isabella proved that he could do something in a role, you know, a real specific role. Um, he had far fewer snaps than Keyshawn Johnson, but he was used in specialized roles, which were two in zone looks. So he's got that going for him. And then uh, the other is that while Malcolm Brown split, split the workload with Henderson, Henderson looked much better. They actually each had 34 carries. So the workload was split perfectly even. 
not 34 carries, carries rather, 34 snaps. But Henderson did way more with his touches, having 114 yards and a touchdown. So if you're a Cam Akers owner, you should get a little bit worried because Henderson may have moved, you know, beyond the mental hurdles that caused him to struggle with LA's unique, you know, running scheme last year. Um, the light is on in his head, and Henderson looked really great on Sunday, moving this to be a pretty muddy backfield once Akers comes back. But Henderson did everything he could in his power to actually prove that he was worthy of the pick that they had on him last year, two years ago, meaning. Now let's talk about some week three injuries. As always, it happens again with Jarrett McKinnon. McKinnon finally gets his chance to start, but he couldn't finish the game after injuring his ribs. McKinnon is not able, if he's not able to be, I don't believe that he's able to be a full-time running back. I just think he's too fragile. I've always thought that. The time to sell McKinnon was just before kickoff on Sunday. I really I really believe that's true. This was his greatest stock rise and opportunity was this Sunday. The small rise in his dynasty value peaked this week. Um, I think that Raheem Mostert, Kevin Coleman, while they were sidelined, that was it. So now McKinnon could be joining them on the bench while he's injured. So even if he could handle the injury and play next week, I still don't think he's trustable as a starter because of his injury history. And Jeff Davis uh, really had a better fantasy day. Uh, Really, that's really on the back of two touchdowns. But Davis should earn more of a role this next few weeks while the 49ers just try to hold on and keep winning while they wait for Mostert's return. Then there's Chris Carter, or Chris Carson, rather. Uh, Carson injured his knee, um, a really a dirty tackle uh, on Sunday afternoon. So far, the Seahawks have said that it's not a very serious injury, but he may miss time uh, the next few weeks. Uh, I don't think this affects Carson's dynasty value at all, but his value really was kind of slowly declining, in my opinion, as he just really has this propensity to get injured. I know Pete Carroll loves Carson, but he also signed Carlos Hyde in the offseason because I think he knows that Carson can't carry the full workload. And Hyde's dynasty value because of this injury doesn't really rise, but his in-season value rises slightly if Carson does miss games. Um, That said, Seattle really has decided to, quote, let Russ cook, and so Seattle's wide receivers stand the most to gain by the downgrade from Carson to Hyde. Another guy that always gets injured, we're we're talking about all of them here, Jordan Reed, uh, here at his ankle on an almost touchdown catch in the first quarter on Sunday, and he didn't return to the game. And then Ross Dwelly stepped right into the role that he uh, performed really well with last year when he started games when Kittle was injured. So I think the Dwelly is worth a waiver claim this week if Kittle and Reed remain on the injury report. I know I added him in leagues actually last week. Um, And so it's worth considering kind of a deep, deep, deep uh, hold. And I think that uh, Reed really at this point just needs to be kind of a back into the roster dynasty asset. Um, Could be someone to be dropped as well as Dwelly. They're just kind of holding on waiting uh, for uh, for Kittle to get back. Uh, to his starting role, which could happen this week. Big bummer on the next entry was Deontay Johnson. I know I started him um, and I made a trade for him and started him uh, this last week. That was in a redraft league, though. But Johnson left the game early after getting concussed. Uh, like I wrote about last week, I really think that he was on his way to com- cementing himself as the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh ahead of Juju Sh- Smith-Schuster. But if he misses time, it may uh, take a few more weeks of the season for him to really surpass Juju, who didn't exactly line it up after Johnson left the game. He he scored a touchdown, and only but he only had four catches. So Johnson may not have scored the touchdown if he played, but he would have undoubtedly have had more than four catches in the game. James Washington uh, stepped up to make you know have a bit of a bigger role in the game after this injury, um, but didn't look so well. <laughs> uh, dropped a ball as well. 
um, and didn't make too much of his opportunity. I don't think that Washington's droppable, but he's really starting to become a back end of the roster player, especially while the second round draft pick, Chase Claypool, continues to make plays. And in Johnson's absence, he actually had the highest number of snaps, believe it or not. Russell Gage, um, Julio, of course, didn't play on Sunday. And Gage got a concussion early in the game, leaving Matt Ryan to throw passes to guys I honestly had never heard of. Olamide Zacchaeus and Brandon Powell, never heard of them. Uh, even if Jones and Gage continue to miss time, I don't believe that I would add Zacchaeus or Powell. I think their injuries just make me less willing to start Matt Ryan on the teams where I have him as my starting quarterback. He really needs Gage and Jones to come back. And man, Atlanta, what a what a disaster of a team in the way they keep choking away games. Next injury is John Brown. Uh, he gave Dynasty owners a goose egg on Sunday. I know that because he was in one of my starting lineups because he left the game early with a calf injury. Uh, his injury didn't stop Buffalo, though, from throwing the ball all around the field. They are definitely turning into a pass-first team. Cole Beasley had 100 yards receiving, and then rookie Gabriel Davis turned into a really nice day as well with 81 yards uh, receiving. And um, I think that Beasley remains kind of a low-end wide receiver three kind of option, only in PPR leagues, while Davis's dynasty value actually deserves to rise after showing what he could do on Sunday. Um, he's likely to overtake John Brown um, uh, he's not likely to overtake John Brown once healthy, but I do think he could become a future wide receiver too in Buffalo behind Stefan Diggs when, when John Brown kind of moves on. Uh, they've really put their trust in him, started him a lot at the slot, and then moved him out to John Brown's role when he was injured, and he looked really good. I have to admit that I drafted Isaiah Hodgins ahead of Davis several times in rookie drafts. I had Hodgins ranked maybe 10 or so spots higher, and I'm just going to have to admit that I made a mistake. Uh, Buffalo had both of them on their squad, and they have chosen Gabriel Davis as being the player that's most reliable uh, for them. Then Tariq Cohen, uh, it's feared that he tore an ACL. His dynasty value has definitely fallen, fallen steadily since Matt Nagy became Chicago's head coach. But Cohen has the skills to be a starting uh, dynasty running back in PPR leagues, at least. Nagy's just not found a way to use him well. And this injury will just bring his dynasty value down even further, I'm afraid. As for David Montgomery, I think his value has been moving up since he started the season. He's not looked outstanding, but he's improved from his really mediocre year last year. He could get more chances, obviously, now that Cohen has lost for the season and Cordero Patterson maybe stands to get a couple extra carries to spell uh, Montgomery, but he should get even more of the workload. Add to that that Nick Folds you know, came in to relieve Trubisky of his duties and led the Bears to a fourth-quarter comeback. It's possible that if Foles is better than Trubisky, which wouldn't take too much, uh, he could actually move the offense better, giving Montgomery even more chances. And finally, on the injury front, uh, Chris Godwin. He left the game with a hamstring injury. He's likely to miss a week or two, like many of the other hamstring injuries. It's been a very, very common injury this year. Uh, he and Mike, Mike Evans, they, they continue to have top 12 dynasty value, so nothing really happens bad with them. But Scotty Phillips, he has another chance to show that he can be a valuable dynasty player, at least in PPR leagues, because of this. Now let's go to the waiver wire. I know I'm putting this podcast out a little bit late. I apologize for my vacation. Depending on when you run your waivers, these may be too late. Um, as a reminder, again, I play in 27 to 30-man rosters, so true dynasty leagues. So the players I list here are for deep leagues only. Certainly if you play in a shallower league, there are better players than these to pick up off the waiver wire. But that said, for those of you who are in true dynasty leagues, here's who I'd be looking to pick up this week. I'll list them in order that I prioritize them. But honestly, I've only made moves on a few of these players on my teams because this is a pretty thin week, I think, on the waiver wire. 
But that said, first is Tim Patrick. Patrick actually led the Broncos in wide receiver snaps in weeks one and two. I didn't even know that until I started looking at the numbers. I would never have guessed it. And he was only behind K.J. Hamler in snaps this week. Now, he's not getting as many targets as Hamler or Judy, uh, but he's on the field. So that's going to give him opportunities when Sutton, with Sutton being out for the year. He's unlikely to be a long-term starter for Denver, but he's, he's worth picking up for speculation this week with a waiver wire pick um, if you have someone that you consider droppable. Second would be Keyshawn Johnson. Like I said, um, uh, Andy Isabella may have started ahead of him um, and scored more fantasy points with his two touchdowns, but Johnson actually played twice as many snaps as Amendola. If Kirk remains uh, hampered by this injury, I think Johnson appears to be his actual true replacement. And while uh, Isabella really does have a more specialized role, I believe, um, I think that Johnson's really going to have the more full-time role. I really love Johnson's college film. Uh, had him higher than, than many he did in that, his rookie year, in that uh, rookie drafts. I thought he could become a full-time starter in Arizona, but he's yet to really prove that he could do so, even though he's had a couple of years now to do it. I'd still be willing to add him at the end of the roster this week just to see how things transpire for the next week or two. But again, this is like last player on a roster type of thing. (laughs) So some of my leagues, I've got a player that I consider worse than him that I drop, and some of my leagues actually don't. Next, um, I would say Kyle Allen or Alex Smith. (laughs) So I'm really convinced that uh, Dwayne Haskins is going to be benched in the next few weeks. Uh, He's yet to complete more than 57% of his passes in a game this season. And he's just not moving the offense at all. And uh, this week, of course, as I already said, he threw three interceptions. Um, Alex Smith was a scratch in the lineup this last week, so I think Kyle Allen would likely get the first crack at quarterback if Washington uh, did decide to bench Haskins. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't we all just enjoy seeing Alex Smith and the comeback story, seeing if he gets a chance? I want to see another quarterback do something with this offense, at least see if they can. Um, I think that I'd pick this up, pick one of them up only in a super flex league. Um, but I just wanted to mention that I really think Haskins is going to be benched. Last guy that I'll mention, um, I'm not really interested in picking up, but I think it bears a conversation, or at least I should give my way in on my thoughts on it, is Cedric Wilson. Definitely came out of nowhere to have two touchdown, 100-yard day on Sunday. At best, he's the wide receiver four in Dallas, but he had the highest scoring wide receiver week in Seattle uh, this last Sunday. I just think that there's too much competition for him to do this again and for him to become a real dynasty commodity. I mentioned him here just to say that I would only chase him as a bottom-of-the-roster guy in a league that had at least 30 players or more, um, and I definitely would not spend any fab money on him. This was just a, a crazy game that, for some reason, we got to see a breakout game of his life for Cedric Wilson. All right, finally, let's wrap up by talking about some trades. Uh, trades, like I always mention, are hard to grade in a vacuum, since scoring systems are different in each league and every team has really diverse roster construction. Uh, That's why when I talk about the trades that are made in my leagues, I'm able to give context for why the dynasty owners made the trades. So I grade the trade, but I do it in the context of what each team was attempting to accomplish with the trade. I think that's a fairer way to look at dynasty trades than just seeing them on a piece of paper. So that said, here are my thoughts on trades that were made in my leagues. And like I said, this was a, this was because of the injuries that happened this, this last week. There were a lot of trades that went down in my leagues. And just to tell you the truth, since I'm on vacation, I actually didn't write about all of them. I picked the best trades that I thought uh, often they involved the same players, so I didn't include all of them. That's how many trades were made in my leagues this week. It was crazy. First one I'll mention was Cam Newton for a 2021 second round pick. Uh, this trade was in my 10-team <coughs> standard scoring league. 
The team that acquired Newton uh, has the worst record in the league and was starting Joe Burrow over the likes of Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Tannehill. So he wasn't, you know, wasn't quarterback need or trying to kind of get back in the game with having a more high-scoring quarterback in Newton. He is one of the less active owners in the league and will likely finish among the league's worst teams. So I think that the the team that picked, you know, that gave away Newton for this pick knew that this would be a pretty high second-round pick. And again, it's only a 10-team league, so he's got a chance to get a good player at that spot. Um, the team that traded away or traded Newton uh, won the Super Bowl last year too, but he's actually started 0-2 due to a lot of injuries. So he maybe even starting to think, even though he won the Super Bowl last year, maybe he needs to pick up some extra picks and might be up for a, a rebuilding year because of his injuries. His starting quarterback is Kyler Murray, so he could afford to trade away Newton in this one quarterback league. So if I had Murray in a one quarterback, 10 team league, I think I would trade Newton away for a second team. Um, especially when the team uh, that will finish ahead of him is at the bottom of the league. So and I'd say I like the second round pick side of this trade. Next trade was one that I made. It was a Melvin Gordon for a 2021 first round pick. Uh, this trade was made in, uh, by me. So I actually have to say that I like my side of the deal. <laughs> Am I obligated to do that? I traded away Gordon um, in this 10-team, one-quarterback, half-PPR league. Um, I'm 2-0 in the league, and I'm a really, really strong contender. My team's very strong, but I just lost Christian McCaffrey for a few weeks. And so I already had Mike Davis, so Mike Davis stepped in fine. Uh, it was smart of me to have him as his backup, so that helped. But I was already weak at my running back number two position. That was kind of a, a position that I was streaming uh, alongside McCaffrey. So when I lost McCaffrey and had to start Mike Davis, I felt like I wanted to bolster my uh, running backs, so traded for Gordon. Um, it's a, uh, hopefully going to be a late-round, first-round draft pick, uh, so I was really willing to take the risk. I have Gordon ranked higher than most. Um, I have to admit, though, I'm a little bit concerned after this week and seeing how anemic the offense was without Drew Locke there, um, and now they're starting a third-string quarterback this coming week. Although they're playing the Jets, so that gives me hope, at least for this week. Hopefully Drew Locke comes back soon, and, and Melvin Gordon's uh, value can increase, and he can do as well as he did in weeks one and two, scoring a touchdown each of those weeks. That's really what I need there. All right, now we get the Saquon trades. <laughs> Saquon went for a 2021 first-round pick, or two 2021 first-round picks, and a throw-in, a fifth-round pick. So two first-round picks and a fifth-round pick next year, all for Saquon. And so this trade took place in my 12-team half PPR, super hyperactive trading league. Uh, the team who traded two first-round draft picks uh, actually had five first-round draft picks already. So they traded two of their five away to make this trade. And the team that traded for Barkley is pretty thin without Barkley. He was really the one that made his team uh, competitive. And he must have just decided that he's going to go the rebuild route after Barkley was injured. And so I get why he would do what he'd do, but I still think I like the Barkley side of this trade, even though the team has to wait for a year for his reward after his uh, ACL injury, um, especially since he still has first three first-round picks. Um, I'd be willing to give away two, knowing that I had three more first-round picks. Uh, I could get Barkley and be happy with that. That is, until he made the next trade. So the same owner made a trade for Miles Sanders, and he traded away James Robinson, Mike Davis, and two 2021 first-round picks. So he had three first-round picks left, but he traded two more of them away to get Miles Sanders. But this time he gave up not just the picks. He also gave away two pretty good players in James Robinson and a handcuff to Christian McCaffrey Mike Davis. So, like I said, the same owner that traded for Barkley made this trade for Sanders. I like his, his aggressive move. I mean, he traded away four first-round picks, basically, to get Sanders and Barkley. 
Um, I would think I would do that, but I do think it's a bit of an overpay when he added Mike Davis to this trade um, and uh, James Robinson after he played uh, so well um, already this season. Robinson's an interesting prospect and was involved in a lot of the other trades that I will mention, um, or that I didn't mention. He was involved in several other trades that I didn't mention uh, today on this podcast. Four more trades real quick. Uh, well, this one also involved me. It was Nicole Hardman for Logan Thomas. I really accepted this trade in my 12-team half PPR hyperactive league. Um, I'm not very strong at tight end, and I actually paid $41 fab for uh, Logan Thomas just on the prospect of him doing well, like he did well after week one. I thought hard about declining the trade, but I'm uh, getting older at wide receiver in that league, and so I just wanted a young playmaker that's tied to Patrick Mahomes for years to come. And it was close, but I decided to take this player uh, that was drafted in the second round rather than the uh, player that was drafted as a quarterback and then converted to tight end. <laughs> and so give me Mecole Hardman, uh, Monday night's game. Made me excited, though he didn't get the number of snaps. He's still always a play away from breaking out. Hopefully uh, in years to come, he'll become a starter there in Kansas City. Next trade, uh, one of my leagues was Brian Edwards for James Robinson and a 2021 third-round pick. Uh, this trade took place in my 14-team Superflex, half PPR, tight end premium, all flex league. I think this is a very even trade, but I think I like the, the Edwards side, even though it's not uh, – even though – He's not proved as much as fellow rookie James Robinson. The third-round pick in a 14-team league is not really worth that much, so I don't really even consider that in this trade. It feels like to me it's more like Edwards for Robinson. I think Edwards is going to take more time to prove himself, as do most wide receivers compared to running backs, but I believe that he will. And so I think I'd rather have Edwards than Robinson, straight up. Third-round pick aside. Next trade was Stefan Diggs for James Conner and Anthony Miller. This trade took place in my 12-team Superflex PPR tight end premium industry league with a bunch of other industry guys. Um, I think it's a pretty even trade, but I lean uh, toward favoring the best player in the trade, and that's Stefan Diggs. Buffalo seems to be really centering their offense around the passing game, and Josh Allen is actually playing at an MVP level to start the season. And so as long as Allen can keep that up and, and keep happy the uh, often disgruntled Diggs, um, I think that they're going to be able to play well together for many years to come. Whereas Connors is on a contract year, Anthony Miller has not been able to firm up the wide receiver two role in Chicago, he's, he's, uh, and he's married <laughs> to an awfully inconsistent quarterback in Trubisky, or in this case now Foles. Um, I really like the best player side of this dig, uh, and that's Diggs. Finally, Allen Robinson and a 2020 first-round pick for Ryan Tannehill and Melvin Gordon. Pretty big trade. Allen Robinson and a 2021st for Ryan Tannehill and a Melvin Gordon. Um, this trade took place in a 12-team Superflex. Obviously, you can see it was Superflex if that was the trade. It doesn't make any sense in a, in a, in a standard league. It's a Superflex PPR tight end premium, and this, again, was also the Podcasters League and the Industry League. I think this trade illustrates what happens when teams that have four starting quarterbacks in a Superflex league, what they can do when a team with two starting quarterbacks loses one to injury. That's what happened. This team lost their quarterback, Drew Locke, to injury. And so that's why he was desperate. He needed a second quarterback since he only had two starters. Um, all things equal, if this was not, if we didn't know that, I really like the Robinson in the first round side of this pick. But if I was a contending team and I lost a quarterback that I needed and I just needed to go buy one, I think this is about what you'd have to pay to do it. Um, give up Robinson and a first round pick to get some, just to get yourself a quarterback. And someone as good as Gordon, like I already said, I value Gordon more than most. So. It was pretty tight, but I think 
Uh, I get why both owners did exactly what they did. Hard to lose a quarterback in a super flex league. Hey, well, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. I do thank you for listening, and I would like to make it a two-way conversation anytime. Contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am on Twitter, so email me if you'd like to talk. I'd be honored to talk with you. I'd love it if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice of the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.